When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 235. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler again. It's like two episodes in a row, uh, which is pretty amazing. But how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, just watching Tyler stuff his face again. Jesus. This reminds me of what we were at when he was in town was it two years ago, I want to say. And he, we we're out to eat and we like more or less dared him to see how much of a was it a burger or a wrap that you just pretty much shoved the entire thing in your mouth? It was a wrap. Yeah, it, it's impressive and also terrifying. And that's where was that at? Uh, World of Beer. That was at Mavericks. Yeah, Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what you just shoving the rest of your burger in your mouth reminded me of. Other than that, though, I'm good. It's uh, officially the dead season. So let's see what shenanigans we can get into. Tyler. I'm doing fantastic, getting ready to move here, unfortunately, and fortunately at the same time. Um, moving sucks. So, as everybody choose. probably knows. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, doing fine. Uh, the weather is wonderful here. It's hot as hell. All right, so we have a show tonight. And by we have a show, as Ryan had alluded to, it is dead news season which means that the front office is all actually taking their vacation because everything's ra- wrapped up except for a Joe Valeno contract, uh, which we are still waiting on. Don't know what's happening there. But I put out on Twitter today. I'm sorry. I put out on X today. Uh, tonight okay. we will be playing bam, Will bam, They, bam, Won't bam, They. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> so, so we are playing Will They, Won't They tonight. We had people submit their Will They questions, and we will answer if they will or if they won't. And there's a very extensive list this time. So we're going to get through about half of them. We will take a break for commercial, and then we will get through the other half of them. And just off the top, you guys, if you could go sub to us on YouTube if you're not already watching us there, please do so. Uh, drop us a sub, turn on the notifications, we get notified every time something goes live, and we would really appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. But will they, won't they? And we're going to start right off the top with one of our favorite people, Mario. Uh, Mario at not Luigi 89 Will Ryan lose his ticket package <laughs> after strangling a fan in his row that is caught doing the woo? And um, 
there's a high chance, Mario. That's like a, it's a real good chance because if Ryan gets enough beer in him and someone woos real loud, there's no telling what Ryan might do. See, here's the perks of the fact that there's two tickets as a part of this package and that the other ticket 99.9% of the time will be my wife who will threaten me with my life. If I do anything to sabotage our season tickets, I'm going to go with won't, but the odds are it's like a 50, 50, 51, 49 balance right now. I'm sorry. If I look distracted, I got a new dishwasher today and I put the old dishwasher by the curb and a man pulled up in a windowless (laughs) white van. Um, put a ladder up against the side of the van, hoisted the entire dishwasher over his head, climbed the ladder, and put it on top of the van. Um, That is a feat of strength and skill that I have yet to see. And uh, it was pretty impressive. No, this dude's, I mean, he's a pretty decently big guy, but he literally hauled the entire thing up a ladder over his head by himself to throw it on top of a van. Do you have a home... Camera, like uh, garage camera. I have, right a, I have a ring. I might be able to go back and take a look at that. Gonna I'm going to go back this. and take a look at that. And if I can okay. download it and get it onto the computer, I may just paste it in the middle of this episode for people on YouTube. So I'm going to have to go back <laughs> and take a look. We'll see if that awesome. happens. But, but Tyler, is Ryan going to kill someone for wooing in his row? Usually I would say yes, but in this case, no, because I know Chelsea's not going to let him do that. Now, in the odd case, it's me and him going to a game or it's him and a friend going to a game. Ah, there's there's no telling what Ryan may or may not do. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with maybe. Um, but I know you guys don't like that answer. You so I'm can't gonna say no. go maybe. I'm going to say no. Okay. I know you guys don't like the, the maybe bullshit. All right. I will. I will agree. If me and Ryan go, we'll both we both might strangle a person that woos in the same <laughs> row. Uh, from Brendan at Ketzel, Ketzel underscore E-Y-N-O-N. Will we have a 100-point player this season? And this is getting into the kind of, we're going to uh, maybe differ here a little bit. So who wants to start with this one? Because I'm not going to start with this one. I'm going to go Will. Okay, who? If, if it is anyone, it's going to be Larkin. And the only reason I say that is because the way that the scoring's balanced out, we already went ad nauseum into the reasons why. Debrinkit is a big part of that. If he can score even 30-plus goals, 30-goal score, that's already likely putting up the point total for Larkin because they're. I would assume they're going to be on the same line. If they're not, then we'll eat our words for that one. But you know damn well they're going to be on the power play together. And if that power play starts clicking this season and kind of carries a little bit of momentum... Absolutely. I think he can be a 100-point player rolling with at least 60 60 assists, I think, would be the minimum for him to do that, though. Like, he'd have to go a 30-60 campaign at a minimum, obviously, because that's only 90. But I think that's what would would help put him over the edge is that additional depth scoring and Larkin, even if it's in between shifts or power play. I think that he would be the one guy that could do it. Yeah, I agree. He would be the one guy that could do it. I'm going to lean no. Um, I, I think he falls shy. I think he's like maybe 90, 88 points, somewhere around there. I still think that's good enough uh, for a significant improvement on the power play and five on five scoring. Um, but I think he falls shy. I don't I don't think there's 
any reason he can't do it. But I think just in this case, he's never done it before. And I, I don't think he does it this year. Maybe next year, though. I will also say no, but I'm going to say that that is not necessarily a bad thing. I don't Fair. think we need a 100 point player to to go further than I mean, even to, just to get to the playoffs. We don't need a 100 point player. I do think, like I said, with with Debrinket, I think Larkin can hit 90 or 90 yeah. plus. I think Debrinket can hit 90 and I think Raymond can hit 70 or more more. So if we get all of that and you get two 90 point players, you don't need the 100 point player. And don't get me wrong. Larkin hitting 90 points. Absolute win. That's Fantastic. what we think that he's he absolutely can do it. It's what we've been hoping for this entire time. So, I mean, I shouldn't say this entire time, the last couple of years to just to watch him grow and him doing that. This team's winning more games immediately, automatically. Absolutely. Yep. And that's that's huge, which could lead into a question we've got coming up here shortly. The thing is, a, a hundred points is 30 more points than he's ever had in his career. Or no, sorry, 20 more points than he's had in his career. That's doable. It is doable, especially yeah. with, with the cast of characters that are going to be coming um, you know, in the different kits and, and, you know, another year of cop, you know, JT Comfer, obviously, um, another year Raymond of taking Lucas a step. Raymond. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we're not the only ones who are saying like Lucas Raymond, it's very possible. He's a 70 point player, like 30 goals, 40 assists, 70 point player this coming season. And I think that is even further bolstered by the addition of Debrinket If they're on power play together or if Raymond's mm-hmm. on that top line. So, there's going to be a lot more burgers are going to be making a jump that too. Now I'm struggling. Like we did last week. I'm struggling to find room in the top six, but it's possible. So if you look at it, if you look in that top six or even the top line alone, plus PP one, like I said, don't think there's a hundred points there, but I think there could be a couple 85, 90, 95 point players in that top, as well as a, a Lucas Raymond in year two, who, absolute or year three who could absolutely be a 70 point player so from chris robbins at c robbins the red wings go over or under their pim total of 662 which was 23rd most from last year and i did math guys so i will start this one so you removed 34 minutes in philip ronick you removed 26 minutes in robert haig 24 minutes in kubalik 23 minutes in bertuzzi 21 minutes in ernie 20 minutes in Sunquist, 19 in Osterley, and 6 in Pia Suter. For a total of 173 minutes removed in penalties from the roster. Now, you're adding in 66 minutes in Klim Kostin, oh 32 minutes in Shane Gostaspare, 14 in Daniel Sprong, 39 in Justin Hole, 45 in Alex Debrinkit, 20 in Christian Fisher, 33 in JT Confer for a total of 249 added minutes. Was it mostly Debrinkets against the Red Wings? uh, Probably. uh, But now it might just be against the (laughs) Sens. That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? Uh, Probably will be. The minute, the minute Brady Kachuk opens his mouth and Alex Debrinket runs over there and puts his fist in it will be the best moment. Like, if that happens at Little Caesars Arena, the arena will absolutely explode. If Alex Debrinket punches Brady Kachuk right you in the face. You mean like when Larkin clotheslined Matthew Joseph? Well, mm-hmm. that or when uh, when most cider face-washed Crosby. When Zetterberg uh, was slashing Jonathan Taves. Was he punching so, him? I don't remember. It's, he was roughhousing with Jonathan Taves. 
But I would say that I'm going to say that, yes, the uh, they go over their 663 penalty minutes from last season. They're supposed to be more aggressive this season, more gritty. Now, that doesn't mean taking more penalties. And most of the guys we added have a high penalty score on the J Fresh cards, meaning they draw more than they take. So there will be calls going the opposite way. But I think in being a heavier, grittier, more aggressive team, you're going to eventually take more penalties. So I will say our penalties go up. Mm. Yeah, because that's going to be tough to beat, like the low number they had, to be honest. And if you look at the teams that we had less, it was the Islanders, Blue Jackets, Blues. How many were actually playoff teams? Several, so several of them were playoff teams. So Blue Jackets notwithstanding, of course. But I don't know. If they can hover around the same, I, I think you're right. I'm gonna go with the will have more. Yeah, I think we'll have more. And the reason being is the additions, but also um just the the style that in which they want to play. Um, I think that will just lead to more penalties. Uh, also, you know, as the league is is getting more and more strict on penalties, they're, t- they're calling a lot more. So I would say they'll they'll go over that that amount from last year. Yeah, I think that's going to be a good discussion: is how impactful is officiating this season, and how bad is officiating going to be this season? Because last year is one of the worst officiating seasons I've seen in a long time. So if the refs get a little bit more aggressive, those minutes could go up too, because I feel like they were far more aggressive last season than previously. So let's see. Here's gonna what's going to be interesting, though, because major penalties for Detroit per NHL.com, they were one of the least major penalized teams, so they had a lot of minors. Minors-wise, they were... As Tyler would say, a lot of ticky-tack bullshit. Yeah, they were 13th in the league in minors. And they had eight major penalties, so eight fights and three game misconducts. When you look at like a team like Montreal, who had 33 majors and 12 misconducts. Jesus Christ. So, well, they were losing uh, in the scoreboard and on the ice. I'm going, Will, they, they will have more, more minutes. Yeah, they bring in a guy like Clem Costin to basically, like, he's not afraid to beat people up. I think that's going to be good for the team as well. Just like you said, that grit well, is Hull going to come with it. You know, Gossip Bear, he's going to go Mighty Mouse and somebody. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So we're going to move on to Tommy Cavanaugh at Tommy Cavanaugh. Will Ben Schrott be a Red Wing on October 12th when the regular season begins? I assume that is, are we going to trade Ben Schrott? Uh, as much as I think we would all love to say yes, there's no situation. There's no situation I can see in which any team would take Ben Sherratt, uh, unless, I mean, not even Toronto. Toronto no, needs to get can't. rid of cap. Even if you took Matt Murray to give them Ben Sherratt and ate part of Ben Sherratt's salary, I don't I'm even see that working. Three more years. I, I'm not either. I don't care if the cap goes up or not. I mean, maybe next season, sure, but... At four seven five, you're not um, not. I don't think anything happens until the new year turns over. I think at this season, at a point this season, Ben Sherratt will probably be scratched. Like you're going to have a very expensive, healthy scratch probably at some point in Ben. And it's Sherratt. not going to be Gustav Lindstrom. If no, it is, that'd be great, so. but I, you got to think at that point no. you're looking at a Wallander, Edvinson, or Johansson. 
Yeah, uh, but I he will absolutely on October twelfth he will be a Red Wing. It's just Agreed. if there was a way to get rid of him, they would. But there's no way to get rid of them. So yeah, I agree. And I think if yep. they were going to get rid of him, they would have done it by now. Um, I, I think Eisenman has no problem putting him in the press box. You know, if he if he doesn't play well uh, to start the season, or if he has a rough training camp or something like that, and one of the younger kids, Edvinson, beats him out or something like that. But I'm, I don't think he's going anywhere in terms of other teams. Now, could he be waived at some point? Is that something that is possible? I mean, I wouldn't rule it out with Steve Eisenman. I know that's kind of like Eisenman eating crow, kind of though. Like, you know, he just yeah, signed him a year a, ago. A lot now. of I told you so's, maybe you included there, Tyler, but it, it is what it is. I mean, there's going to be guys very soon that are replacing half this d- defensive core. So, and you, you win some deals, you lo- lose some deals. Like, I think when it's all said and done, and, and even right now, I think Eisenman's won more deals than he's lost. So, yeah, but you think about it with the cap going up, like that turns into a contract you're going to see pretty often where that his price point is going to roughly be middle to bottom six price for a serviceable defenseman. Borderline serviceable defenseman. Fair. Still alive. more serviceable than Gustav Lindstrom. He's alive. He's there. Okay, Ryan? He's there. Grit. He's there. Grit. He showed up to work, man. But not even the grit. It's so weird, though, right? Ben Chirot, you think of, and like obviously we saw him play in Montreal, we saw him play in Florida. But you think of Ben Chirot, you think of like a guy like formerly like Luke Shen, like where he's a shutdown defenseman. He's really good defensively. Ben Chirot's like the opposite. He sucks defensively. He's bad at turning the puck over. He's bad offensively, although that's like his calling card. Has been decently off at off decent at offense, but. I I don't see any value in Ben Sherratt being. Right, let's get let's get off the Ben Sherratt because we can hammer this one home all day. Yeah, we could be mean for hours about Ben Sherratt, but I think the uh, yeah, just he will As be a person, absolutely probably a great guy. Oh, According sure. to my wife, he's pretty. So there's that. There, uh, there's the reports are that he's a great guy. I mean, you can see it. You can be a great guy and be a terrible hockey player. I'm sure that Justin, Justin Ablicator, Justin Ablicator, fantastic guy, awful. Like it, it just it happens, guys. You can be your your personality is not tied to how well you play hockey. But like with Ablicator, I loved the player. I hated the contract. See, yes. well that too. Uh Adam Kerr. At Adam Kerr 05, will James Reimer have a higher save percentage than Vili Huso? So Vili Huso's no. save percentage in 2022-23 was an 896. James Reimer's was an 890. If you go back a year, James Reimer was at a 911, and Vili Huso was at a 919. So it's going to be, I mean, and it depends. I, I think their split is going to be probably. 40 30 around there like a 40 uh 45 30 whatever to get to 82 and i'd say no i mean billy Huso seems determined to come back to tighten up to get his safe percentage up to get his goals against down james reimer's getting another year older next march he will be 36 uh billy Huso is only 28 right now he'll be 29 in february I will say that Billy Huso has, and I would even—I don't even know if I'd consider it a bounce back year because he was still pretty good. It's just the team in front of him was not fantastic. Well, when we talked to Daniela, he was easily the MVP of the team up until Christmas. Yeah, so if he has, if he can get some games off his plate, uh, Reimer can help him lighten the load a bit. 
He can get his goals against down from a 3-1-1 to uh, sub-3. I think he can bump his save percentage back up. I'm not sure if he goes back up to 9-1-9 because that's kind of high with St. Louis. No. If he can get up to a 9-0-5, a 9-10, I-, I think that he still beats out James Reimer because I think James Reimer, less games played, so the save percentage can take a hit, especially early on. Or James Reimer yeah. takes a hit and Alex Lyon comes in. I'm hoping that with the depth that we've brought in, how we've talked about what we've seen so far from the moves made as a team, the defense as a team continues to improve a lot more two way type players that really do focus on the defensive aspect, even on the back end, even though I know all can be question mark for some, we're going to see how it plays out. If it's a shot 2.0, hope not. Gossip spirit. We know can play a full, full length of the ice. And the rest of Detroit's D that we're already familiar with, we're set there. But then you look at the forward court when they brought in, you got to hope that that's going to translate over, which in turn is going to give more clear shooting lanes for the goalie on the defensive side of things, which means that the save percentage is going to go up. Is it going to be a tremendous jump? Who knows? But I'm hoping with things I just kind of mentioned there, that will translate to a better save percentage, meaning Detroit's winning more games or at least having lower scoring games and hopefully winning them as well. But I'm going to say that Reimer will not, but I won't be upset if it is. I think we're not talking about someone that was also signed who could have a higher save percentage even than James Reimer. Yeah, Alex Lyon. I mean, he was down the stretch the guy for the Florida Panthers. Now, I know the Panthers probably have a better defense than the Wings do, but in terms of of where the wings are right now. I mean, I, I would think Huso's the guy, even if it's a 1A, 1B situation, I'd still think Huso. I'm not going the 1A, 1B because last year that bit us in the ass. I'm not I'm not doing it. So you think it's going to be a, a guy and then a backup? No, I'm like- not getting my hopes up on the 1A, 1B because that fucked us last year. So I'm just hoping that we have competent goaltending for the entirety of the season. Yeah, I mean, but I think in terms of the league and where it's going now, it's a 1A, 1B for pretty much everyone, unless you have a Vasilevsky or you have like a Connor Hellebuck or someone like able that. able to insert GIFs into the uh, the video, Greg, of the, the, the little guy, the stick figure staring at the plane flying overhead of the point. I can make all your dreams come true, Ryan. I can do whatever you want in the video. It just it depends mm-hmm. on how focused I am when I edit it. That's fair. So if you could take Huso's games down to 48 from 56, that might be a big ask. Maybe you take him down to 50. That's six less games he has to play throughout the season. I would love to get him down to 45. I'm not sure that happens, but I think if you can get him to 48, that might be that might be a sweet spot and you give him a little bit more breaks in between. And just like I said, if you lighten Huso's load because he is still decently young for a goaltender i think he performs better especially since you've kind of fixed the defense in front of him yeah out towards the end of the season yep yeah there's not many goalies that played more games than he did last year and some of the ones that are ahead of him are some of the top in the league so also they have much better defenses in front of them arguably so so there you go so James Reimer, I think we all agree, will not have a higher save percentage than Billy Huso. From Jordan Cole underscore 11 at 11 Jordan Cole. He has a three-part question. We'll get through this one, and then we will take our quick wow. break. Will Clem Costin score 15-plus goals this season? 
Uh, that one is going to be slightly hmm. difficult, I believe. Um, uh, and I had Clem Costin pulled up, and he ran I'm away. Good. So hold on. I mean, he has to average for one more than 10 minutes a game. So Clem Costin last season had 11 goals and 10 assists for 21 points with the Edmonton Oilers. His average time on ice was 10 minutes and four seconds. I believe that Iserman, when Iserman got him, it sounded like we think he has more in him. We think mm-hmm. that he could play a bigger role on this team. I think he could. He's probably going to be a third liner or maybe they flex him up to the second. He should get more than 10 minutes and he should have a better cast around him where he is playing in the lineup than they had in Edmonton. I Didn't he play with Dreisaitl and McDavid a little bit last year? I would have to go to um, Natural Stat Trick to find out. Yeah. Yeah, I think he I think he had a, like a week or so where he played with Dreisaitl and McDavid just as a like week. a one, two, three. But, I mean, if you think about it, if you're looking at my hockey reference, looking at last year, like Oscar Sundquist, pretty consistent third liner, average around 14 minutes a game. Same with Pew Sitter. Uh, Johnny Burgers was at 13.28. So if he's around that, you very well could see that 15-goal piece happening. And depends on if he gets some uh, second power play unit time, which I bet you'd almost think he will. So I would say... I'm going to go Will. Are you recording these, by the way? Or are you like writing them down? We should, I feel like we need to have a ledger. I'm not in the middle of everything, but I could go back afterwards and do that. I'm not going to think I'm not going to do that, Ryan. We never write these down and I thought about it too late. So there's a video and audio evidence. Why would we ever need to write anything down? Because control F was invented, Greg. Sure, I guess. I'm going to say that he does. And the reason is, I mean, he had, what, 11 goals last year playing, what, 10 minutes a night. If he averages, what, let's say 13, 14 minutes a night, if he jumps up to that third line or or even up to the second line at some point, who knows? You could even see him on the first line at times. I I think this this roster is very versatile in terms of who can play where. I think anyone can pretty much play anywhere outside of, like, Dylan Larkin. Um, You know, obviously, he's going to be your number one center for now. But in terms of, of him being able to get to 15 goals, I mean, that's, what, four more goals than he had last year? I mean, that's definitely doable, especially with the guys that he's going to be playing with. Even if it's a third-line Detroit team, it might be a little bit more deep than that Edmonton team was because that Edmonton team is very top-heavy, as we all know. So here is uh, Klim Kostin's line mates uh, by time on ice with during this season. Matthias Janmark was his main center. Uh, at 236 minutes. You've also got Derek Ryan at 194 minutes and 43 seconds. Ryan Nugent Hopkins at 163 minutes and 31 seconds. Devin Shore at 148 minutes and 36 seconds. And Ryan McLeod at 58-52. So no giant. Uh, Leon Dreisettle, he played for Leon Dreis- with Leon Dreisettle for 33 minutes and 55 seconds. And I don't even see McDavid. Oh, McDavid, 53 minutes and 15 seconds. So most of his time was spent with Yanmark, uh, Derek Ryan, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So, I mean, if they give him, like you said, if they give him some power play time, I, absolutely. I think he could be a 15-goal scorer. I don't think four more goals during a season uh, is going to be that hard for him to do, especially with him, I guess, wanting to be here instead of going back to the KHL. 
and getting more opportunity in Detroit. Uh, with that, okay, so with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to answer the second two parts and the rest of the questions right after a quick update from DraftKings. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-HOPENY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10 plus legal required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. And we're back. And we have two more parts of a question from Jordan Cole. Will Robbie Fabry be a healthy scratch to start the season? A healthy scratch, he says. Will he be healthy? Not that his legs are broken. Um, No. Uh, if you listen to last week's episode, I have Robbie Fabry as the 4C. Joe Valeno, like I said, still doesn't have a contract. So without a contract, Joe Valeno's not really doing anything. I have Robbie Fabry as the 4C currently. And if he's healthy, I think he starts because he actually provides quite a bit of value to the lineup when he's in the lineup. Over Valeno all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, if he's healthy, I think he's in the lineup. And I, I would agree that he's at least bottom six. I mean, I think he starts getting sheltered at this point. At the On the same note, like he has to be because we've now seen those injuries that we were afraid of in St. Louis carry over to here. And we, if one more happens, you, you got to think that there's going to be a, a contract termination coming. Yeah, if you look at his projected war, uh, it's a three-year weighted average is 62%. Uh, his EV offense is 24, his EV defense is 7, but his finishing is at 90. His goals per mm-hmm. 60 is at 90. His assists, uh, his primary assists per 60 is at 76. He draws more penalties than he takes. Robbie Fabry is a net positive player. And like, like you said, if he can stay healthy, he provides more value than Joe Valeno, even if you throw him at center. I don't love uh, Fabry at center, but... I can deal with it. Uh, will he be a healthy scratch to start the season? I think it depends on what happens with Valeno. I have a hard time believing it, to be honest with you. I, I like if if ha- uh, Fabry's healthy, he'll be in the lineup. I, I firmly believe that. I mean, he's a pro player. Obviously, he's a he's the type of guy that you know if he can stay on the ice, he's a very valuable. I don't think he's going to be center. Honestly, I don't see him playing center. He's listed as a center on hockey reference, but he only took four, 26 draws last year. And How many games did he play? 28. He played 28 games. And only and had 26 26 face-offs. draws. That's almost a draw per game, but he didn't play yeah, a lot of How many center. times did people get kicked out of a draw and someone else has to come in? and That's and pretty face-off. much what he was doing. Yeah. Sure. He can play center, though. Blash played yeah. him center. I, I get that, but... You see, my you have Rasmussen, fifty six games, but he had what's two hundred three and one ninety five. Like that, he was at fifty one percent. 
he had 398 draws, double the games and 372 more draws. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't even get center time. If he doesn't, then I think his it's going to be harder. So we're, that's where I could maybe see the healthy scratch come in. I get it. Volano, we'll see what happens. But at the same time, if it's not Volano, maybe that's where Austin Zarnick draws in the lineup as your fourth line center and your PK guy in lieu of Volano. And I'll say one thing, too. I do like the fact that, like, you have this problem where Robbie, you're looking for a spot for Robbie Fabry to come in and play. Like, Robbie Fabry's a pretty good hockey player, right? He's not a bad player. He's going to add value to your team whether you – you know, he's on the fourth line or on the first line. He can he can slide up to the first line. He's not going to play there most likely. But if you ask him to play there, he'll go up there and he'll produce too. So it's just a matter of him staying on the ice. And that's really kind of what's derailed his career a little bit. Yep. Last part of the question. Will Mo Sider win a Norris this year? Uh, no. As I'm we saw go... from this past season, uh, the Norris Trophy is for the most offensive defenseman. Defense be damned. Because uh, Eric Carlson literally plays zero defense. Like, if you could play negative defense, that would be Eric Carlson's number. All he does is shoot the puck, and he won the Norris. So, no, unless Mo Sider can get his shooting percentage up to, like, 30%, man, he's not winning the Norris. Because it's it's just all about offense now. If they would break the Norris up into two different trophies, then maybe we'd be talking about some. I could see it. I mean... Especially if you do like it, uh, the offensive award is the Bobby Orr award. The Norris is like the best defenseman overall. I would, I think that would be better to be honest. Yeah. Eric Carlson is basically just a forward that's labeled a defenseman. So Mm -hmm. he's a rover. Yeah. I'm going to answer will not for Mo. Yeah. I like the thought. I I think this is going to be a huge year for him, obviously, because for one, he's going to, it's, kind of a contract year unless they give him a bridge. But uh, if he if he balls out, then we're going to be seeing a long-term extension, I would assume. Will he eventually win a Norris? That's my question to you guys. I think so. Well, yeah, yes. I would say will. From Lucas Mountain at Lucas Mo, will William Wallander possibly get a nine-game look at the end of the season if there's an injury bug? I would say William Wallander might get a nine game look at the end of the season. If there isn't an injury bug, you just make one up and you sit a guy for nine games and get Wallander some play. I think that this is kind of the season that they try and sneak some of those guys in. So if Mazer doesn't crack the lineup at the beginning of the season, you'll probably see him for nine games at the end. You'll see uh, Marco Casper doesn't make the opening night lineup. You'll see him for, games during the season up to nine you'll probably see wallander or johansson uh edvinson if he doesn't make the lineup you'll see him for nine more games it's all about how much does eiserman want to slide contracts still but i think this is the time where you're looking at next season you're looking at the available roster spots and you're looking at guys that you know are right on the cusp of making the lineup and you just want to get them that taste that nine game taste and i think casper would have gotten nine games if he wouldn't have broke his kneecap during that game but you get them that taste is so that they know going into the summer what they need to work on to make the roster coming out in the next season. So I would say there's a host of guys that'll probably get nine games at some point this season um, because we only saw what just Edvinson got his nine games last season and then Casper would have. Yep. So, yeah. So I, I think would have you seen see as well. Yeah, I think you see multiple guys this season, too. Yeah, if Johansson wasn't hurt, you would have saw him as well. I think it depends on how the season goes. If you're 
if you're looking at a playoff spot and you're playing real good hockey and everybody's healthy, I mean, obviously that's a pipe dream. Not everybody's going to be healthy, but you have to have somebody out for more than nine games for him, for someone to draw into the lineup. Do you have multiple people? I don't know. I think Wallander certainly is is up there for a debate for, for being able to play the nine games. Um, I think if you're a playoff team, no. But if you're not a playoff team, then yes. So wait, are we talking about who? We, which one are we on? Wallander or Wallander? Wallander. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Will, but maybe not so much for there. Someone's going to get hurt. I think it's inevitable. And that's that. That's Ryan's answer. Someone's going to get well, hurt. There's not much you can go on. I mean, that's not more like a threat than anything, right? It, it's tough because actually, you know, what? I'm going to go with won't because you've got Ed, Edvinson's right there. You know, Johansson's right there. There's a lot of hype for Wallander, but the way that we've seen things play out, if it does happen, it could be at the end of the year. But I think right now in the pecking order, he's like third. So I'm going to say he's going to get a full year in Grand Rapids to let it play out, see what happens. Unless something goes crazy and he really outshines Edvinson and Johansson, for instance, I'm going to, I don't think that he, he cracks it maybe for just a couple games if, if at most. Now, this next one is not a will or won't, but I will take it anyways. Who ends the year with a higher point total in Grand Rapids, Cross Hannes or Amadeus Lombardi? So Cross Hannes played 30 games for the Grand Rapids Griffins last season with nine goals and eight assists for 17 points. Amadeus Lombardi played for the Flint Firebirds for most of the season, 67 games with 102 points, 45 goals, 57 assists. He had five goals and two assists in seven playoff games. And then uh, played two games with the Griffins, had an assist. Guys, I think I think Lombardi is going to ball out. I think oh. he is one of the most underrated prospects. If you go like, uh, I mean, underrated people like him because his name is cool and it like leads well, to great yeah. memes and fun stuff. I think that league wide, though, he is an underrated prospect. I don't think enough people are talking about Amadeus Lombardi. He himself recognizes what he needs to do. He said he needs he knows he needs to get stronger. He said he took some draws in Grand Rapids and couldn't even move the other guy's stick. So he knows he needs to hit the gym and put on the weight. He already looks bigger than he did when I was watching That's the videos from Dev Camp. Jesus, when I was watching the videos from <laughs> Dev Camp. He is uh, he's swole. He's on the Joe Valeno training program, apparently. But I think Lombardi is going to just kill it this season in his first season with the Griffins and uh, hopefully cross Hannes comes back just fantastic from his surgery, but that could hurt a player. So I have no, I have no doubt that both are going to be good. I think Lombardi has more offensive talent than cross Hannes has. So I will say that cross or that uh, Lombardi beats Hannes in points this season. I'm going to go cross Hannes. And the reason I say that is because it's a big jump going from, the OHL to the AHL and even the AHL. He played a couple games last year, but you know, it's, it's still a learning curve. It is. And I, I think Hannes uh, will bounce back from the injury and, and beat out Lombardi in points. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm leaning is that Hannes knows what to expect. It's, I mean, we saw some great flashes out of Lombardi and just those two quick games and how he can move and handle the puck, but I'm going to give the edge to, to, to Hannes. 
and see what happens. If I'm, I'm my biggest hope though for both is that they've gained weight from their listed 180 and 171. 171 with Lombardi, 180 with Hannes. This is per AHL.com. So as long if they both have done that, especially Lombardi, to your point there, Greg, that he made about how he was struggling on those faceoff draws and the way that the strength just wasn't there for him yet. That's kind of what's pushing me toward Hannes as of right now, thinking that he knows what to expect. He's likely put on some pounds. Not saying Lombardi doesn't either, but I think that extra year in the AHL, especially coming from the OHL, to your point, Tyler, is it's going to be huge. Yeah, I think we get new weights uh, coming into prospect camp, I think, or mm-hmm. training camp. One of the two, we will get probably new both. weights, maybe both. Uh, last part of the question: Will Grand Rapids be a threat to win the Calder Cup? I will. Oh, I will always year. say yes. Yeah, but I'm going to say yes again. I mean, new coach. Uh, Watson moves to Grand Rapids. The guys like him. Kosa should make a move to Grand Rapids and possibly kill it if he doesn't. Letheman could go to Grand Rapids, and he was also fantastic in Toledo. Uh, Alex Lyon could be in Grand Rapids, and he's a more than capable goalie. So you've got the goal. Yeah. You should have goaltending locked down there. Red Wings have the fifth best prospect pool in the NHL. So you've got guys like like Wallander is going to be there. Uh, Emo Vero is going to be in his second pro year. If Johansson stays healthy, if Edvinson doesn't get the call, if Casper plays a whole year in the AHL, they have a very, very dangerous team. So yeah, I would Wander, say Edvinson, if they're all healthy and playing in, down there. Now it's just hoping you guys, you don't see guys losing minutes at that point. Yeah. So I would say, yes, I would say, yes, they're a threat to win the Calder. I think coaching was a big issue last season. And I think Watson is absolutely a hundred percent more than capable to take that team to a Calder Cup. Do you think or see, for the sake of minutes, to my point there, that we see like Wallander and Edmondson together or in Edmondson and Johansson together, even though they're listed as lefty? Do you think they try uh, to get some of these guys right D time to try to make them flexible? Johansson's played right D, so has Wallander. So yeah. I don't think it'd be an issue. I agree. I think I think they definitely have the team to go to the Calder Cup or to win the Calder Cup. Definitely to go. Uh, it's just, it really kind of depends on how the development goes and how how the new coach does. You know, I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. And then obviously health is is first and foremost. From O'Hill Turtle at O'Hill Turtle, will Edvinson find a daily roster spot mid slash late season? Um. So this is the one that's kind of hard. I will say, I'll say will. I th- and it's dependent on it's heavily dependent on injury. He's not going to force Justin Hole out. He's not going to force Shane Gossesbear out. He's not going to force Oli Mata out. If he forces out Sharat, fantastic. I think if you see a situation where he's just absolutely destroying the AHL. And you think that your NHL team is better served by having Edmondson in the lineup. I think that Gustav Lindstrom gets waived, goes back to Grand Rapids. Everyone slots down and Edmondson goes on the second pair. So you're looking at a pairing of like Edmondson and Gostaspare. And you're looking at a bottom pair of Mata and Hole. And Sharat becomes your extra And that's, I think, the only way that that happens. Other than that, Edvinson plays the whole year in the AHL unless there's an injury. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think that's your biggest thing is that he he balls out, even if it's early in the season. I think it's possible, not even mid, because we know that Lindstrom, and we've talked about it, or I shouldn't say we know, it's likely a given that he is the seventh D on this team, which means the opportunity is there for one of Edvinson, if healthy, by the start of the year, which signs are pointing that way that that should be the case, or Johansson beat him out for that seventh spot meaning now it's a toss-up of who your top six is going to be. And if one of them, if Evanson's gained that weight and now has figured out how to use his body in the NHL, especially when it comes to those, however long the training camp is, or preseason, preseason is, I should say, yeah, there's no reason he couldn't even start the season there and push out Lindstrom. And now you've got Sherratt and whoever else, or maybe they roll 7D, which I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility either, especially if Alano doesn't sign or isn't signed by the start of the year, and Fabry isn't fully healthy. Yeah, I think I think Edvinson gets in at some point because injuries are kind of inevitable, even if it's just one or two. Um, and honestly, if Edvinson plays well down in Grand Rapids, or if he just makes the team out of camp, it's still possible. Is it likely? Maybe not, but it's certainly possible he can make the team out of camp. I mean, he was given the opportunity last year to make the team out of the camp out of camp. And unfortunately, he didn't. But I mean, it just kind of comes down to what happens injury wise and what happens uh, in terms of the roster itself. You know, if someone's game goes to hell, you know, and Edvinson's killing it down in Grand Rapids, he's going to get the call. He's the first guy to get the call, I would think. Right. Uh, besides Johansson, I think Johansson also gets a call. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, I'm not going to completely count out Wander. Yeah, Wallander seems very determined to to prove himself as well. An update on the uh, on the dishwasher guy. I checked my ring camera. It skips around too much. Completely skipped that part of him picking it up and throwing it on the van. Damn uh, it! Yeah, I know it would have been a great video, but the dude the dude's a beast. So shout out to that guy if he's listening because I learned that the plumber that fixed my upstairs shower listens to the show because I was wearing like the shirt and as he was leaving, he's like, "I'm a fan of the show." I'm like, "Thanks." So shout out to Plumber from Waterwork Plumbing. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, from Cameron Nagel at CNagel91, will Hole be a pleasant surprise? Fucking and hope I, so. I am going to preface this with, I guess that depends on what your expectations are of Justin Hole and how mad you already are about him before he has even stepped on the ice in a Red Wing sweater. So... 80 games played last season, Justin Hole had two goals, 16 assists for 18 points. The first thing you look at, 80 games played. He is a sturdy defenseman. He's not losing time to injury. He was a plus 15. Plus minus sucks. He was a plus. I'm going to put it there. You know he had 39 penalty minutes. He had 20 minutes and 14 seconds of time on ice at Corsi 449. What else are you looking at? Blocks and hits. He had 139 block shots, 151 <laughs> hits, only 20 yeah. and, and 28 takeaways. But yeah, 56 giveaways, but we won't, yeah. we won't talk about that. But his ATOI is 20 minutes and 14 seconds. If you look at Jay Fresh's war card, he's a projected war of 46. He has a 50 offense and a 52 defense. He has uh, he takes more penalties than he draws. But he's at 63% on primary assists, which means he's decent at facilitating play at least. If you're going into it wanting Justin Hole to be a superstar, it's not going to happen. 
if you want Justin Hole to be a reliable second to third pair defenseman, you're probably going to get that, and you should be happy with that. The problem that I think happens, and there's other people that have said the same thing, is that I think Toronto media and Toronto fan base scapegoat very hard. Or they take one little thing and they blow it way out of proportion just to have a reason to be pissed off. And I think that's what happened with Justin Hole. I think Justin Hole is going to come here. He might not play 20 minutes a night. Maybe Justin Hole plays 18 minutes. But he's going to provide solid defense, which is what you need. He's better than who he is replacing. So if you're if you present surprise is a weird kind of thing to me because it all depends on what you're what you're expecting. So if you're expecting him to be serviceable, yes, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised because I think he's a little more than serviceable. What's funny too is he actually the stats that we called out. Ben Stroud had 19 points, five and 14, and he actually had 163 blocks compared to Hulls. What was 139? 139. So. I mean, as long as there's not outrageous gaffes while he's on the ice, like many of the times that we did see with Sherratt, and he hovers maybe around, I'm going to use it, a plus-minus of zero, where Sherratt was a minus 31, and we know that many of those minuses were kind of self-inflicted for himself. Um, I I think you're in a good spot. You can't really be upset. Like He he calls himself a two-way defenseman. If that's what he brings and he shows that what he can do defensively and help this team push through offensively, I think you're in a good spot. I'm just hoping he's not a Ben Sherratt 2.0. Hope not. Because that would look really bad on Steve Eisenman. Obviously, you know, the contract will more than likely age well because of the salary cap going up and everything like that. But I mean, you still, you know, that's two defensemen in a row that if you, if Hall doesn't turn out to be decent or at least serviceable, Ben Chirot's like barely serviceable at this point. Um, if he can be serviceable, I mean, that, that'll that be a, not a pleasant surprise. I think that's what you expect. Um, if he's better than that, then obviously it's a win. Um, I, mean, I would say he'll be a pleasant surprise because I don't think he'll have the pressure on him in Detroit that he had in Toronto. As I say, they're, they're both going to end up being depth defensemen with – also, they're not tr- also tradable guys or untradable guys, I should say. Apologies. They both have modified no trade clauses, which means all they have to do is submit a 10, 10 team no trade list. They both have the same one right there. Win. That means their contract can be jettisoned into the fucking sun if Steve Eiserman so wishes. So that's the way I look at it. If it comes, push comes to shove. They're depth guys. We'll see what happens. But I hope to the point of it all, he is a pleasant surprise. Will be. I'm going to go with Will. Yeah, I was trying to find a um, on a safe percentage for an entire team. Oh, I do have it right here. So his on a safe percentage is, was a 90.7, which is in kind of the middle of the pack on the on the Leafs team last season. There was a couple other stats I was looking for, but like hockey reference doesn't give me a whole breakout for the entire thing. I wanted to see his on ice goals for, but it wouldn't give me that breakout on ice goals against. He was on ice for 83 goals against uh, for the Leafs, but he still had he, he was still a plus player. So in all situations. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, so from JFR at JR Fortin 19, will a 100% healthy Andrew Kopp show his 2022 playoff form? I am very, I, I accept zero Andrew Kopp slander on this show. There will be none. So if you look at Andrew Kopp's three-year on, I'm on Evolving Hockey, his three-year player card for the 2021, 22, and 23 season, he was at a 38 overall with a 46 offense and a 31 defense. He was below replacement at even strength defensively. He was above replacement at even strength offensively. But, and that's because this, I'm going to blame it on his core surgery and recovery time. Because if you look at the seasons in the 2020, 21, and 22 seasons, his overall was an 83 with a 71 offense and an 87 defense. That's the Andrew Cop you want. You want the Andrew Cop the three seasons before he came to Detroit, before he had to have that surgery and before recovery. He was above replacement in every category except for penalties drawn. That's it. So if you can get that Andrew Cop back, that's, I mean, you're rolling there. That is a guy who is one of the more responsible centers in the league at defense. He can provide the offense. He showed the offense last season, even with the injury. It's if he can go back to just not even playoff form, but just season before you're, I mean, you're winning there. That's the contract. That's what he was signed to do was to be that Andrew Cobb. Yeah, I think I think getting south just south of a point per game because he had what 14 points in 20 games in that playoff season that you're referring to there. That's going to be a tall t- task, I think. No, I don't think I, I kind of feel that's what's going to be the case, but 53 points in 72 games in 21, 22 for the regular season. But what's more important, I think that needs to rehappen this year is the 52, 53.2% faceoff percentage. Last year, he was at a 49.8. If he bumps that faceoff percentage up quite a bit, the points and likely assists, that's where they're going to come from. Because if he's in the offensive zone, winning those draws more often, good things are likely going to happen. We saw that quite a bit with Detroit last year when they won the offensive draw and controlled things quickly. And we see it across the league for that matter. Good things happen. Guys are getting on the on, on the score sheet. And if that happens with Cop coming into this season with the way things are hopefully trending, then I think that he could maybe not hit that playoff form, but hit minimum 50 to 60 points. And that's going to be what this team needs. Yeah, I think supplemental scoring and just offense in general is important. And Cop is, you know, another guy that if he can take another step forward, it's crazy to me that he played 82 games last year and, you know, was playing, recovering through that that core surgery. So, I mean, to see him 100% healthy going into this season will be interesting. Does he get back to that form of uh, the, the 2021 playoffs, the 2021-22 playoffs? Maybe not, but I don't think you need him to get to that point. I think, Ryan, you kind of alluded to it, 60 points, 65 points, maybe pushing it. But I think somewhere around there would be helpful. You know, could could he get back to 21 goals that he had in the 2021-22 season with the Rangers and Winnipeg? Uh, I think that's possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the cast of characters around him is only getting better uh, on this team in particular. And obviously, hopefully power play points, he'll he'll put some up as well. I mean, I, I think he can be an effective power play guy. I really do. Yeah, I think Andrew Kopp coming back at 100 percent 
Um, absolutely. I mean, absolutely back to form. He's he's bought into the system. He's meshed well with, uh, I mean, he's getting JT Confer back too. So you got to think at some point you're going to see the Michigan line out there. If it's on a power play or wherever that you're going to see at some point, a cop that's your opening night line cop Confer Larkin. Yeah. Just for the first opening draw, the Michigan line. I think, yeah, I think it'll be a much better situation for him going into the season than it was last season. Uh, will Michael Rasmussen pick up where he left off before being injured as an impact player, possibly becoming a top six guy, top line Michael Rasmussen? That's also a possibility. I, I have, I hope the world. I hope the world for Mike, and I think Mike is going to be a great player. And and Eiserman has even said he's an he's an integral part of the team. He's a guy that you need. And you saw what happened once you lost him is the team kind of fell apart. There were other reasons, but it like fell apart. You lost that aggressiveness. You lost that net front presence. You lost a guy who's going to go dig pucks out. I think he continues. Now, is he going to be a 30 goal guy? No, I don't think so. But if you could get Rasmussen at 20, 25 goals in a season, plus the other stuff he provides, I think it's a big win. So, yes, I do think Michael Rasmussen, he's already an impact player. Could be, could he become more impactful? Sure. But I think the impact that he's providing on the ice, in the locker room, he's a dude that his literal goal was get better at hockey. And I, he's become kind of a fan favorite. And, and I think that he will absolutely take another step towards being a better hockey player. I think that he'll pick up where he left off. But I would more lean middle six Mike Rasmussen than top six. And that's not a bad thing. Do I think that he can play anywhere in the lineup? Yes, and we talked about that. Could he be on the top line if you absolutely need it? Yep, big body winger. You have Larkin on the at center. Or you can even move Larkin to wing and let him just kind of be a peacock and fly. Let him go. But I think middle six is where you're at with him, and he loves it. And he's going to, I think that's where he can thrive and really use that size and his skill set to his advantage and start taking advantage of things. And, that, and then you think about him with like a Clint Costin. Yep. Come on. So last season in 56 games played, he had 10 goals and 19 assists for 29 points. In a full season, he may have had 15 goals. Like I said, I think he could bump, bump that up to 20. If he's at 20 goals, 30 assists. He's a 50 point player. I think that's uh, might be a little high, but like Michael Rasmussen was taken like ninth overall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrew Kopp is expected to get up there too. Well, not really. He's only surpassed 50 points once in his career. No, but I mean, he's expected to be more consistent this season to be again. And then a full season of Rasmussen and a fully healthy cop. You think both of their point holders are going to pump up? If you've got both those guys hitting fifty points, you're you're winning more hockey games. You're, a, you're in the playoffs if that playoff happens. team. Yep. Yeah, I I think that Rasmussen does he get back to where he was before he got injured? Absolutely. Is he a top six player? I would pump the brakes on it, but just remember what I said earlier in this episode and even the last episode that. Pretty much anyone can play up and down the roster. So, I mean, could you have Rasmussen in front of the net on the power play one? Absolutely. Could you have him on the first line with the Brinkett and Larkin? Absolutely. Could 
Is he like your your quote unquote version of Milan Lucic? Obviously, he's a center usually, but could he slide to the wing and be a six foot five winger? Absolutely. Not as much of his dick. Exactly. Not as much of a dick. But you know, you get the point. So I mean, I don't think he's a top six player, but I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that at some point this season you'll see him in the top six. Fair. You did last season. Yeah, I think it's uh, and we have mentioned it time and time again, and I think it'll be a reoccurring theme throughout the summer until we actually see what the lines are. The versatility in this lineup is the best it has been in years. Any guy I think on the team can play anywhere else in the lineup. I mean, you got rid of Philip Zeno's like the only guy who wouldn't be able to play in the top of the lineup because you wouldn't trust him up there. But I think any guy from the top to bottom, if you had to go and take Daniel Sprung and flex him up to the top line, I don't think you'd have any issue doing that. You do not have. I cannot right now off the top of my head. Think of a Red Wings forward that I would right now consider a defensive liability. And when is the last time we could say that? When's the last time we could say we have zero defensive liabilities at forward? 2009. So I think that when you say uh, you can Alex, take... I think Debrinkit's probably the only one you could maybe consider that. I, a I, liability, I don't though? I don't even think maybe. Huh? A liability, though? Possibly. Like, At times. Yeah. I think I he's know. probably now, and this isn't a bad thing, and we, we probably knew this coming in, he is likely... Your worst defensive forward. And his that's EV okay. defense is a 33. We've had some single digit percentage dif- uh, forwards in defense. Here, I so, wish we need to see the whole list because I, I, I want to say we have someone currently that was lower than that. But if we're in our heads thinking to bring it is your worst defensive forward. Like all day. Yeah. So I think that the flexibility and What's again, Fabry? it'll be a reoccurring theme. Uh, Fabry defensively know. was. Oh, yeah, it's Fabry. He's a seven. Okay. Uh, I EV thought there was someone seven. shitty. What's Raz, but, though? Now, see, now you got me questioning things. Oh, my God. I just had him up. Hold on. Michael Rasmussen is a 39. There we go. Okay. So, so and, and again, again, though, he's he would be on that top line to dig pucks out of corners and get them to Larkin or to get them to Debrinket. That's what it would be. So, I mean, it's, again, flexibility. It's a theme. So we're going to end it with this question. Can one of Edvinson, Casper, or Mazer force their way into an opening night lineup spot? And we had talked to Daniela about this. Edvinson's still probably going to be in recovery, so probably not. Casper, Dan Cleary made it sound like they want him in Grand Rapids. Mazer's your dark horse. Mazer killed it. At the uh, at the world was it the world championship? Yeah, world he championship. killed it. The men's. It, well, I, I was go between men's and juniors. He was at the men's. He yep. killed it. Uh, he was fantastic in however you want to, I guess, score the development camp. He was phenomenal. He played well in Grand Rapids when he got his few games there. He's going to go to the prospect tournament, I'm assuming, and then he will go to preseason. And I think if he shows out in those two, I think Carter Mazur has a chance, especially if Joe Valeno's contract is still in flux. Yeah. He could force Iserman's hand. I don't I don't think Mazur has the expectation of needing to be in that like top six role, maybe with a cast like what a Casper 
has for an expectation. And I think that would play into his favor because of his style of play, because we call him Burt 2.0. So if that comes to a head and he's in your bottom six, I don't see a problem with that. If Valeno doesn't sign, if he's going to go hold out, which would be mind blowing to me, but it's a possibility. It then it happens or Mazer just beats him out entirely. Takes his role. Mazer in six games with the Griffins had three goals and three assists for six points at the end What's, of the season. What would his defensive role be, though? I mean, he's a he shit disturber. Into a PK? Uh, I think so. I mean, I'm that's, gonna, where, I you, don't that's have where you look at the comparison stats. between him and Valeno. Like, can he take over Valeno's role on the PK? Because you know that he's likely going to slot in at center for, for Joe. But I mean, he would probably get power play, too, as well. Because yeah. he's got that, he's got shot, a lot of offense to there. him. So I think you could give him mid to bottom six minutes. You could give him special teams. I think that Mazer is the guy, man. If a guy is going to make it onto this team and surprise people that he made it on and do another Lucas Raymond situation, it's going to be Carter Mazer. I mean, again, University of Denver, his last season, 40 games played, 22 goals, 15 assists for 37 points. I mean, Team shit, USA, we, he had four points in 10 games. I mean, Valeno may not even get PK time. You think about it, because sure. you got Larkin, Cop, Comfer, Costin, Fisher. Like, that's probably going to be your main guys in the PK, right? Yeah, but and if you're looking at a guy on the PK that's going to also maybe take the puck and drive it up and score, like Pia Suter did a couple times, Mazer is going to be the guy that knocks you off the puck and takes it to the other end of the ice. Yeah. So I think that I think the only thing that might be holding him back currently, he's uh, listed at six foot, 172 pounds. He did say that his job this summer was to uh, get better at hockey and eat. So if he can, if he can beef up, if he can get himself up to 185, I mean, it's a, it's a lot to put on over the summer before the beginning of the season, but if he can get six, if he can get six foot one eighty five, let's roll, man. Give yep. him, let him earn that spot because I think, like I said, if a guy's an impress, it's Mazer. Yeah, I agree. I think he's uh, he's definitely the guy of the three that were aforementioned uh, to potentially nice make usage. the roster. Um, Mazer, obviously, I've seen him win the national championship at the University of Denver. He plays a lot bigger than he actually is. He's a pretty gritty mm-hmm. player. Oh, no, uh, he don't fuck around. Especially in this day and age where there's not a lot of the Kachuk kind of players or anything like that. I wouldn't say he's exactly like that, but he's certainly a gritty player and he's not afraid to get his nose dirty. So um, that's the type of player that Steve Eisenman wants on this team. And uh, that's kind of the type of player we were missing last year, I feel like, too. So, I mean, does he make it right away? I don't know. Does he crack the lineup? I don't know. But I would say out of the three mentioned there, I would say Mazer. I'm not going to rule out Casper because he plays with that rough nose style too. And we already know that he's back healthy. We saw him at development camp. He was cleared going into that. So if if he has a great camp, if both those guys do, it's going to be the coin flip. Maybe Casper has the edge because he's already had a game in there and they they know that he's not going to, he's not going to fuck around when he's in. Um, I don't know. It, that's a, now thinking about it even further, that's hard. I think Edvinson has the best chance of knocking out Lindstrom 
rather than one of these guys potentially knocking out like an Austin Zarnick or the sort just to make sure that they can get more time with AHL bodies and playing through it. Awesome. Well, that answers all the questions from will they, won't they? I like will they, won't they? It's fun. I think next or sometime this summer, we're going to do a would you rather and have people present would you rather situations because again, slow news season, we need stuff to talk about. Next week, though, we are going to do, uh, as people have been asking, we will do our Red Wings prospect rankings. Uh, We haven't done them yet this season. I was going to wait a little bit longer, but I think we can do them now. So we're going to do Red Wings prospect rankings next week, but uh, we're going to close it out. So uh, let's go final thoughts. Ryan. Final thoughts. Um, Thanks for the questions. Those are fun. I... When I sit here looking at Cap Friendly and the non-roster, a.k.a. Grand Rapids, this is, I think, the most hyped, especially the forward group, that I think we've been able to be in a long time. Nate Danielson, Marco Casper, Carter Mazer, Elmer Soderblom, Alexander Doucette, who we haven't really touched on too much, but was a great goal scorer, granted an overager in, in the CHL. I'm saying Canadian because I forget which league he was in exactly. Um, was he in the queue? I'm saying a head nod. He played for the Halifax Moosehead. He was in the queue. Oh, God. That's a bad team to name offhand. But then you go from Doucette, Cross Hannes, Taco Hirose, Amadeus Lombardi, and then a few guys that have been around for a while, like Matt Luff and Austin Zarnick and several others. But there is a lot of skilled youth knocking on the door between the ages of 18 and 22 years old because Soderblom is actually the elder statesman at 22, which is incredible. But that's a lot of hope and promise. And there's a lot of roster spots, half the roster really, that's going to be coming available next season alone in terms of forward groups. So do they still need a high-end goal scorer? Absolutely. But they did address part of it by bringing into Brinkett for four years. The team is getting closer and it's fun to watch. And I just hope that people can temper some expectation while also still having a high expectation, if that even makes sense. But like, don't throw all of your, your tickets into one basket for this season, thinking that if they don't make the playoffs, it's a failure. Just keep hoping for improvement. If there's improvement, they're pushing for a playoff spot this season. If they get it, fucking awesome, because LCA is going to be fucking loud, and I can't wait. If it isn't, as long as they're competitive going into the end of the season, can't be mad about how it goes. But on that, already ran 33. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the promise and the outlook that we have and we've been doing this for what almost eight years altogether or something like that um i don't know exactly how long it's been but we've been doing this for a while and most of our podcasts have been how are the red weeks gonna fuck this up Sad. are we gonna get a first lottery are we gonna get a lottery pick are we gonna do this like should we sell should we sell at the deadline you know what are we gonna what moves are we gonna make in the off season to make this team worse so we can get better again um and now we're finally starting to talk about a hockey team that's actually worth a damn um, and actually worth people's time every night. Um, you know, if you're a hockey fan, obviously they've been worth your time because you love the game. But, you know, it certainly tests your time, too. 
Uh, so it's certainly something that I'm looking forward to. I know everybody seems to be looking forward to it. Uh, I can't remember a, a Red Wing season that I've been looking forward to like this season. Uh, you probably have to go back to even before the, the last year that they made the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe that Chicago year, the 2012 oh, year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, that was probably the last really good chance that we had. And I'm not saying we're even at that level yet. But if if you watch the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, two teams that weren't – Florida made the playoffs and they were one of the best teams in the league the year prior, but Vegas missed the playoffs and then they went into Stanley cup. So it's possible. Are you saying that we're getting there and winning a cup? Probably not, but could you push for the playoffs? I, I believe that, that we're there. And honestly, I'll tell you what, in terms of looking forward to a season, I, I don't know that I've looked towards one for a while like this one. I'm counting down the days. Hey, home opener's on a Saturday. So that's even better. Even better. And you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Uh, my final thoughts. Well, yeah, that was, I mean, a question we got from Gurmit at Big Gur, Big Mo. Uh, will Red Wings be in the playoffs? I think it's it's possible they could be a playoff team. And we're already upsetting like Toronto fans because someone's like, will the Red Wings underachieve as always next season? And then you go to their profile and they're a Toronto fan. So, uh, no, but your team will. So... Yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be a big time, and I, I'm I'm really excited for this season, and we'll be at several games. It'll be a lot of fun. We also have big news coming up as soon as this uh, deal goes through that we're working on. It'll be uh, another really cool thing that uh, people can look forward to. So you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. Follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. I'll give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you get Detroit jerseys from and worked on. We like to thank the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet for uh, hosting us and spreading us around. You can check out our merch at redbubble.com by searching The Grind Line. Uh, again, sub to us on YouTube. Uh, just go to YouTube, search The Grind Line. We're all there. Or check out our bio or our links. It's in one of those. And uh, yeah, sub, turn on the notifications. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE at Howie's Hockey Tape, you get 10% off. If you use the promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you get 12. Uh, but I think that's it. It's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I'm Greg. You stay classy. Hockey done.